Trek Geeks is proud to have Fansets as our presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code on your next order at fansets.com. Fansets. Our pins have character. Hi, this is Armin Shimmerman. I play Quark on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. You figure out who's who. Where in the hell are those guys department at Podfleet Command? It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, celebrating year number nine. That's right, it's the Trek Geeks Podcast. You know, number three or four or five or 12 in your podcast player, but number one in your heart. I'm so excited to be here this week. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and welcome to episode number 200 and... No, 309. I would say 209. We've already done 209. Episode 309. See, it's been so long since we've done this. I don't even know what episode number we're on. Um, when I say we, I do mean my co-host and I. If we were doing a live-action recreation of Spectre of the Gun, I would have Dan play Chekhov. And I think that's all I need to say. He's the, uh, the bullet-ridden Dan Davidson. And Dan, um, you look pretty good for a guy who thinks he's dead. Bullet ridden. I like that. It's good to be here, man. Happy to be here. I, I'll, I'll play Chekhov in the episode because he gets the girl until he gets shot. For about 90 at, in seconds. The stum- in the stomach and shows no blood or hole in his shirt. I'm just saying. Uh, but it's happy. I'm happy to be here. It's good to be back. Uh, it is February as we record, but Happy New Year anyway to everyone listening. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to a great year of content here on the flagship. Uh, and we're starting it off really good with this here episode today, buddy. I love Spectre of the Gun. It is, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about guilty pleasure Star Trek episodes. This is one of mine. Um, And it's right up there with another episode. I'm going to correlate it to later on in the discussion. Um, Mm -hmm. But I remember watching this as a kid and just being transfixed by it. You know, it's, it's not, some people say it's not great Star Trek. Some people say it's not great sci-fi. Six, seven, eight-year-old me was transfixed by this episode in the 70s. And really, that's all that matters. I love yeah. it just as much today in my in my middle age. And, you know, I'm I'm psyched to talk about this episode today. It was, it was one of, if not my favorite episode as a kid growing up. It had so much fun in it. It, it was one that, transfixed is a perfect word, because that's what would happen when that one came on. Uh, what, when it was showing in my house and it was, it was even before I started liking Star Trek that I remember watching this one and enjoying it. You know, 
know, my brother had to watch Star Trek, so I was forced to. But this was one that if it was on, I'd be I'd be ecstatic because I loved every aspect about it. Didn't understand a lot of stuff that was going on, but still had a blast watching it. You know, one of the things I love about it, and we'll go into more detail of this when we get to the episode discussion, is just Spock. You know, his logic is flawless in this episode. Mm-hmm. And if a kid can follow it, that tells you that the writing actually has to be pretty solid. Yeah, you know? it really does. It's, yep. But more about this later. We're going to talk yeah. a little bit more. We're going to play catch up for a little bit here um, because we've had a lot of stuff going on. Um, first of which is uh, we, we can't go any farther without talking about Trek Talks and the amazing job that this fandom did in helping us raise a bunch of money for the Hollywood Food Coalition down. Yeah, uh, you said it at the end of the broadcast when we all joined John and, and Bonnie on screen to talk about uh, what it meant to us, and and this is the best fandom out there, hands down. They came out, they put their money where their mouth is, and as we record right now, we have eclipsed $110,000 raised from that eight-hour telethon that we had back on uh, Saturday, January 13th. Uh, amazing. Um, we wanted to raise $50,000 so that uh, 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 Eugene Roddenberry uh, could uh, donate his $50,000, and and we made it, and we made more. And so he did, and we've done this three times. Each time, we've, we've beat the previous year's totals, and I am humbled and honored to be a part of such a wonderful cause for such a great organization like the Hollywood Food Coalition. Last year, we raised $107,000. Um, you know, kind of like Jerry Lewis and the, the telethon of old. Yeah. He used to hope to raise $1 more every year. We did mm-hmm. that this year, except we raised $3,000 more, uh, hundred and ten grand. And I, there is no better feeling than knowing that this money is going to help people directly through yeah. the Hollywood Food Coalition. We mm-hmm. don't ever see this money. This is not coming to Trek Geeks. We don't take it and then send it off. You know, we're not we're not a part of the whole financial process. That money goes straight to the Hollywood food coalition when you donate and we couldn't be happier. There's such a fantastic organization. You can actually still donate to the telethon now mm-hmm. and rewatch all eight hours of it on our YouTube channel or cherry pick it. Cause there are chapter markers in there now. And you can go to givebutter.com slash Trek talks three to donate. If you haven't done so already that, that URL should work pretty much forever until next year. Yeah, it, it works right now. I'm actually there right now. And what's really cool is when you're on that screen where you can donate right from that URL that Bill just mentioned is when you see 220% of our goal has been raised because yeah. our goal was $50,000. To, to see 220%, that's really just amazing. And as, as, as we've said before, this fandom appreciates the Gene's vision that we always talk about and, and how to to be there for one another and to help other people. And they came out in full force that day and have continued since the 13th. And it's, it's just amazing to see. Well, in addition to thanking all of the people who donated and all the people who shared, you know, social media posts about the broadcast, if you couldn't donate and all the people who just supported us in this effort, we have to thank everybody involved. Um, not just on, on the team that, you know, that we work with, mm-hmm. but also the guests who showed up for us and, some show up year after year and say, what can I do? And others are showing up for the first year and say, I want to do this again. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody associated with that day um, did an amazing, amazing job. And 
I am so, so grateful and thankful to every single one of them because it was just magical. What I find so amazing about what it was like uh, on the 13th, I remember the first year we were doing this and uh, John Billingsley said, you know, guys, just keep in mind, this is Hollywood. People are busy. People have things that come up, then they have they have to cancel. So don't be surprised if we have, you know, 40 to 50% of the people that say they're going to be able to come have to cancel at the last minute. First year, we had 100% participation, which blew our minds and John's. Second year, 100% participation. This past month, third year, 100% participation. That is unheard of. And that just goes to show that the people that are in front of the camera and behind the camera for Star Trek feel as passionate about this as we do. And it's just, it's incredible to see. It's incredible to watch all of them talk about the things that they've experienced and also to do it for such a great cause. It was really something else. You know, the last two years, it's been a partnership between Hollywood Food Coalition, us, and uh, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This year, we added trekmovie.com into the mix. And Mm -hmm. we're so grateful for you know, the, uh, the help provided by them and in promoting, and also, you know, the, the direct work that, you know, Lori Ulster did. Amazing. um, Just all planning long. Um, Mm -hmm. I I know it saved my butt a ton because I just did not have as many cycles this year starting a new job. Um, but I look forward to next year. Um, already I want to raise $1 more. (laughs) <laughs> yep you got it and, oh and hey we have our first meeting on trek talks for tomorrow how about that yeah oh. no is it tomorrow <laughs> it's I tomorrow it, no it's the ninth isn't no it? it's the ninth they moved it damn it i was looking forward to it oh well uh, it turns out you i'm gonna be on a plane oh well okay well i guess i'll have to you know fill in for you again Oh, yeah, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> no, I'm not even going to say anything. Uh, uh, anything else we want to catch up on? Lots of stuff going on in the Star Trek universe. Section 31 is starting principal uh, production, and uh, that was pretty exciting. And I don't uh, care about that. All um, kinds no. of stuff going on. <laughs> anything Star Trek is fun. Great new Star Good, great new Paramount Plus commercial with Sir Patrick Stewart came out today. That, that was, was funny. Cool. Shazad Latif not being in the Section 31 movie really is a bummer. Very sad. Um I think he kind of needs to be there, but yeah, um, he's probably busy doing something else. Um, so I, I, I got a question for you. Yeah. Um, so we're nine years into doing Trek Geeks. Next year is our 10th anniversary. Right. Um, we've accomplished a lot of things we set out to do and more. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to do next? What, what goal would you have for year 10 and beyond? Well, <clears throat> I have to look at Trek Talks. And kind of use that as my barometer. Um, And one thing that I would really love to do, because it means a lot to me. I know it means a lot to people like uh, uh, Armin Shimmerman and his wife, Kitty, and and Jonathan Frakes. I would love to have Jonathan involved with us somehow in doing something to do for PanCan. I'd love to have some kind of fundraiser where we can get him maybe in person uh, or if not another virtual thing like we did with him with Feeding America, um, to kind of start branching out. Um, Hollywood Food Coalition is always going to be the nearest and dearest. Um, but I lost my father-in-law to uh, pancreatic cancer. I know that Frakesy lost his brother. Um, mm-hmm. And Kitty is a survivor. Right. Um, and I think it would be great to do something uh, for that worthy cause at some point, maybe in year 10, as kind of our celebration year to do something. But uh, that's just off the top of my head. Um, I'd have to give it some more, some more thought as to what, uh, I'd like to do in addition for our 10th anniversary. 
I, I like that goal. Um, I, I would love to, to do something like that. I think it would be wonderful um, to sort of extend, extend what we do with these microphones mm-hmm. um, and, and branch out. Like I said, uh, in recording the outtake, if, if this kind of thing is what we're known for, if that's yeah. our lasting legacy, I'm totally fine with it. Um, if I had to pick one for year 10 and beyond, you and I were robbed of the opportunity to do a stage show, um, which we had right. scheduled for you know, downtown Concord, New Hampshire, um, mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. I still would really like to do one. Um, my one, well, last year we did the, the live podcast in Vegas at Millennium Fandom, which was a great time, but it really didn't go off the way I wanted to logistically. Yeah. Um, I would have, I would have liked, um, a little more, um, set up and preparation. I would have liked an actual audio system. I would like to do a big, um, stage worthy live podcast, um, probably with guests of some sort mm-hmm. that is a, at a venue worthy of such a thing where there are actual seats and there's an actual stage. Um, you know, that kind of thing. We wouldn't live stream it or anything, but it probably would be some sort of event for charity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would love, love to do something like that. I, something like that, something that just t- uh, came into my mind when you we were saying this and we may have actually talked about it, which is why I'm, I thought of it is, is uh, is talking about the Deep Space Nine episode, past tense, the two-parter, because that's right around now where this was happening, if I remember correctly, um, that all the things took place in, in California. And uh, why not get Sid to come on stage, talk about it since he was there? I almost think it needs to be bigger <laughs> and not just like an episode discussion. Um, if you think well, about it- Well, we could turn it into a much bigger ep- uh, episode than just- the, to, uh, a discussion more than just the episode because of everything going on in the world today. It kind of, sure. it's kind of like coming true. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I, that's the kind of thing. It takes a lot of planning. Of course, you're going to have to find a venue. Yeah. Um, because we want to do it for charity. We'd want it to be a ticketed event. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are other logistics there that you have to, to be concerned with um, right. getting people to, you know, if we have guests, getting them to a theater, um, yeah. that type of thing. So um, we'll see. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, because pretty soon I'm going to be moving to a different state. So, oh, that's right. I was just going to say, you know, they got that new place in Nashua, which is I've been to, and it's fantastic. You're not going to be near Nashua. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says I can't hop on a plane and fly up to do it. Um, it just means that somebody would have to do a lot of legwork that lives here. Yeah. Yep. That, hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dan. <laughs> hi, Dan. Well, why don't you and I do a little business with America? Okay. And uh, and then we'll come back and we'll talk some spectry of the gun. Spectry. Love it. See, I took it away from you again. You did. That's twice. Same episode. Dan, as always, we want to take this moment to thank our dear friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. Yeah, and a great sponsor they are indeed, Bill. You know, they continue to release new stuff all the time. And now that we're into month two of the new year, you can look forward to some amazing new pins like the new Twisted Badgy pin from Lower Decks, the new version of Mr. Spock. Yes, that's right. It's Spock V2, a la Strange New Worlds. Lieutenant Paul Stamets from Discovery is the latest in the beautiful line of the Glitter-tastic universe of Trek Collection. And from Future Imperfect, yes, the one episode that gives us more deltas than anyone thought possible, 
It's the Ensign Delta, which is now available in both pin and magnet form. Wait, wait, isn't that like the fifth Delta from that episode? (laughs) Yeah, you would think so, but uh, Bill, it's actually the sixth Delta from that episode, and I guarantee you there's more on the way. Well, however many there are, they're all great. So everyone, get on over to fansets.com, grab all those great new pins, and then at checkout, be sure to enter the special discount code TREKGEEKS for 10% off your entire order. That's TREKGEEKS in all capital letters with no spaces. And of course, don't forget, when you spend more than $30 with Fansets, you automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the TREKGEEKS. It's almost like we remember how to do this. I I don't remember anything. Dan, here we are for the first time in a long time to talk about an episode. It just happens to be one that you and I both love. Yes, it is. Yes, it Spectry is. <laughs> of the goon. Spectry of the goon. Yes, that's how they say it over there in Scotland or somewhere over there. I'm not really sure. I bet sure. it's I not. Know. No, I not at all. Not. <laughs> no, this is, it, it's funny when we were talking about what we wanted to do, we wanted, you said, pick an episode. We'll just do an episode because then, you know, we'll just be able to get right back into the swing of things. And this is the first one that came to mind. And I can't believe we've never talked about this in the nine years that we have been doing this. Right. This is both of us. It's one of our favorite episodes. And when I said it and realized that we hadn't done it, it was like, oh, my God, we're doing Spectre of the Goon. You know, the the reason I love this episode is partly because of its sort of minimalist quality. It's almost surrealism. Mm -hmm. I love the Royale for the same reason. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good point. Because the, the landing party or the away team winds up in this situation. They have to see the whole situation through to its conclusion yep. in order to get back home. Now, in this episode, it means that either they find a way to not die or they're dead. Or they die. Right. Right. In, in the Royale, it's they find a way out of there or they spend the rest of their lives in this mm-hmm. Groundhog Day-like scenario. That's a good way to, you know, as we record this tomorrow is Groundhog Day. (laughs) That's right. Oh, wow. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Did you, did that just like actually come out of your mouth or did you think of that earlier? No, that just literally came into my brain. That's pretty good. That's why you're good. That's why you're good. Yeah. This is a great one. Um, Let's get a little um, uh, important information out of the way in regards to it. This was the sixth episode of season three. Uh, It first aired on October 25th, 1968, uh, written by Lee Cronin who, of course, was the pseudonym of the showrunner, Gene Kuhn. Uh, And uh, it was directed by Vincent McEvity. That's an interesting name, McEvity. And wonderfully directed because of all the things that had to be done to make this episode work, which we'll get into as we talk. Um, But uh, in case those of you who like to memorize star dates, star date 4385.3 was the star date for this episode. I did not... Try to memorize the star date. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> I didn't uh, either. I just read it off the screen. You know, season three is is much maligned. Mm-hmm. However, if you take a look at the front six episodes of TOS, mm-hmm. there's really only a couple of decent ones. It's three. It's about 50%. So the season okay. starts with Spock's brain. Love it. We love that episode. 
Yep. Continues with the Enterprise incident. Love it. Very solid. Yep. Next is the Paradise Syndrome. Pretty good. Eh, okay. Not bad. Not awful. October 11th, 1968, a day which will live in infamy and the children shall lead. Awful. Worst episode of the series. Uh, yeah. And then uh, is there in truth no beauty is the week before this. That's not too, too bad. It's That's not, not one great. of my favorites. Yeah. It's not one of my favorites. It's not great. So uh, season three off to a decent start, you know, for all the, the guff that people give season three. Um, I don't think this is one of the worst episodes in, right. by any case. And, and let's also just go a little forward. The next episode is Day of the Dove. So Which another- I kind of have a love-hate eh, relationship it's with. It's an eh episode, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not a meh. No, not a meh. It's an eh. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how we came down on this episode in See It or Skip It. Oh, I'm Did we sure- do it? Uh, have we gotten a season three? I don't yet? think we did season three. Oh, I'll, 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 it goes without saying this is definitely a see it. Oh, it's an absolute, absolute see it. 100% see it. Yeah. Absolute see it. So every single the, day of the week. For those of you who haven't watched it or not seen it in a while, um, a landing party of, uh, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Scotty, and Chekhov, um, <laughs> wind up in this sort of minimalist gunfight at the OK Corral as the team that lost the gunfight. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it's fair to say, I mean, it's, it's, in, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, they probe the mind of Captain Kirk to sort of come up with this scenario, uh, sort of the same way that we wind up with Abraham Lincoln, uh, at some point and Savage mm-hmm. Curtain. Yeah. But I, I wonder if we go back to the, well, with let's probe Captain Kirk's mind and see <laughs> what situation we should put him in. Yeah. It Why just, isn't he at a strip club at a bar? where you expect to find james d kirk right (laughs) or Uh, how they some people think he was when he wasn't really that way but yeah well let's he was a little that way a little bit a little bit yeah i mean he was whatever the writers wanted him to be honestly (laughs) yeah so the landing party thinks that there's a landing party and everybody else around them thinks that they're the clanton gang Mm -hmm. and that's that's not a good scene it's it's not it's not good for them. No, that's for sure. Um, let let me let me say one thing about about what happens here based on my childhood. Yeah, we'll probably talk a little bit about what it was like watching as kids. But this is interesting and something that I did not realize for years because of this episode of Star Trek. Loved this episode growing up because of this episode. I always thought the Clanton gang were the good guys because of this episode. Because they make the Earps the bad guys in this episode. So for my entire uh, child and part of my adult life, I did not realize that. Probably up until the point until I saw the fantastic and one of the best movies ever made, Tombstone. It's one of my favorite films of all yep. time. So I always If it's on, Clint- I watch it. I always thought the Clantons were the good guys because of this episode. Well, and honestly, Tombstone doesn't do much to kind of dissuade you of the fact that the Earps aren't the bad guys in this scenario. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ultimately we want to root for them because they're the heroes, mm-hmm. but they kind of put the Clanton gang into this situation and show up literally just to mow them down. True. Yeah. They're breaking um, the law. <laughs> you tell them I'm coming <laughs> and Harold's coming with me. God, I love that movie. Great movie. Um, but but no, I have to agree with you. I thought the Clanton gang probably was uh, was bullied. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's interesting the perspective that 
a third party kind of always has on history. Mm-hmm. You know, in this case, the Malkotians are, are sort of putting them in that role based on what's in Kirk's mind. What did Kirk think of the Clinton gang? That's good really point. what I would like to know. Yeah, that's a very good point. And interestingly enough, as a child, we used to go vacationing in different places around the company, uh, around the country. And a couple of times, uh, my parents took us out to Arizona to dude ranches and we went to Tombstone once. So I have really? been actually in Tombstone. I don't remember a lot about it because I think I was like, it was preteens. I think I was like 10 years old. So it was well over 40 years ago. And um, I do remember, I don't know if it was just for the, um, you know, you know, for the tourist trap thing, but there were, there was the bar, they said that was the original bar and the saloon, which had bullet holes in the wall and stuff like that. The okay corral was very small, but we did go to tombstone when I was a kid and, and saw, and went through the tour and everything. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it was cool. It's something I've always remembered, but not as well as I used to. Even if it's a total tourist trap, I would totally go. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would recommend it. Especially Simply because, because of, of this, this episode. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's. I'm curious as to how many people have watched this episode and learned the history of the OK Corral based on Star Trek. Yeah, I'm raising I, my hand right we're now. Two Absolutely. Of them. Yeah, I think I saw this the first time when I was maybe seven. Same. Some sounds about right for me too. You know. Yep. Yep. Um. So, our landing party learns early on that death is a very real thing here. Well, this may not be the real tombstone. Mm-hmm. Um the death seems to be anything but fake or minimalist. True. You know, mm-hmm. um, and, that comes out of the bar, bang, boom, dead. Yeah. Morgan Earp just says, all right, yeah, you're done. Uh, say goodnight, Gracie. And <laughs> he's, he's done. You know, bones verifies he's dead and they realize that the stakes are really kind of even higher. You like me to draw, wouldn't you? I will. <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> I'm going to do this all episode, by the way. <laughs> it would have only been better if he'd said, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> My God, that would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, one more riff on Tombstone for a second. I'm only bummed that I didn't learn that Doc Holliday um, was essentially dying yes. the entire time. Yeah. Um, and not in a good way. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, no. the only time we really see him in this one, he's getting the shave. Yeah. <laughs> And then he shows up for the, for the fighting. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's um, funny. The landing party very quickly realizes that uh, we we can't stay here. Mm-hmm. But the Malkotians have kind of created a situation where um, they're going to stay there till five o'clock no matter what. Yep. Yes, they are. Um, yeah. It's... Um, it's amazing to me that Kirk, you know, Kirk's a smart guy. We've always known that he's a smart guy and all the things that he does over time. But just by looking at the, what I loved, the newspaper nailed to the wall, which was kind of neat, the, like the yeah. daily headlines. He saw that it was Tombstone and he's like, oh, there's something about that date. He knew the date for the OK Corral <laughs> shooting, which I thought was kind of neat. And it dawns on him and he's like, he called, he called you, Frank, me, Tom, and Billy. I mean, it's just, it's, it's great how it all just like comes into his mind. He called me, me, Ike, you, Frank, Bones, Tom, and Billy. Ike Clanton, Tom and Frank McClary, Billy Claiborne, Billy Clinton. I mean, it's, it, it just, it's like hits him, boom, 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 boom. It's just great Shatner at his best right there. Star Trek seems to always focus on the date and not the event. <laughs> like everybody in the future knows all these historical dates, like right off the top of their head. Yeah. You know, and not just uh, in TOS and all of them. Yeah. I, I expect one of them to go battle of Hastings, 1066, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, 
Yeah, it's really kind of weird that that Kirk they pull this out of Kirk's head, but he knows the date. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah. So the landing party realizes that they have to do something pretty quickly. Because five o'clock, the hour in which they're gonna have bullets put through their head, which is a very nice visual, by the way. Very nice visual. Um, yeah. is fast approaching. And so Kirk decides to go talk to the herbs. This seems like a bad idea, doesn't it? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit, but it's Kirk, you know. He he's always been the diplomat, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I expect that of Picard. Exactly. That was you took the words right out of my mouth. I don't expect Kirk to go to the people who are going to kill him and go, "Hey, look, let's talk about this." <laughs> you know, I really I swear, I'm not Ike Clanton. They're like, "Sure, Ike." He <laughs> wink wink. You better get out of here before we shoot you. Here's one of the things that I love about this episode. We talked about the direction and how the director made it look like an old Western town sounded like it with the harmonica for the TOS music, which I thought was brilliant. This one scene when he's like, draw and, and the other guy's like, no, Wyatt. And he throws his hand to block him. The way the camera is focused, like under the guy, like b- behind both guys, but under his arm, that gives it that, you know, that whole, you know, black cowboy hat villain type look to it, the way that they handle yeah. that scene. And I thought it was, I thought that was a masterful scene right there. It really is. You know, the, the Earps and Doc Holliday are really painted as kind of sadistic murderers to some extent. Mm-hmm. And I, I get it. I mean, it fits the episode, but I would have thought that you know, Kirk has a massive respect for authority. He has a massive respect for what's right and what's wrong. I would have thought that if they plucked this out of his head, they would have imbued the the Earps and Doc Holliday with yeah. more of a moral compass. Mm-hmm. Not just to say, we're going to kill you, but you know, to actually act like lawmen. I think that's the one kind of weird point I have with this episode. Well, I can look at it that way, but also we find out later on through Spock's logic, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, that it's that, you know, Billy survives the original fight. So things aren't the way they should be here. So maybe they decided to throw some curveballs in it at the same time, just to make it a little bit more entertaining for the Melkotians, maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's just a possibility that I thought of while watching it one of these times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and maybe it was entertainment for them to some degree, but I mean, how many times can we go back to that well in the original series and have super godlike beings who just want to be entertained by mere mortals? Well, you know, they don't have much to do because they're basically floating spinal columns, uh, <laughs> but maybe they just, that's how they get their comedy TV central type stuff. I don't know. No, it just <laughs> seems like a well that we go back to. And the fact that it's Gene Kuhn who wrote this episode. Yeah. It makes me wonder how long he had this draft kicking around in his briefcase and said, oh, I got to fulfill my contract with Paramount. Um, I need a script. Oh, I know. I've got this one. (laughs) You know, it's, I get it. It's entertaining. I'm going to watch it because I love it, but I could see why people think they went back to the godlike thing way too often. Oh, way too often. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then they did it in the very first episode of TNG. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> right. And then several episodes later, and then again, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then again. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the whole Chekhov thing, because you mentioned it briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, Chekhov, I, Sylvia is in love with Billy. Yes. 
Chekhov is playing the part because, well, we have to fit in with the natives. <laughs> um, which I get it. Okay. Young guy gets to, gets to have a girlfriend on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Chekhov really is in love with Sylvia, but Sylvia is clearly in love with Chekhov to the point where she's talking about buying enough fabric for a wedding dress. <laughs> uh-huh. And um, the t- after that, Chekhov's like, yeah, let's do it, baby. <laughs> let's, yeah. And he plants one on her like, oh, I've been waiting for you all my life. Come here, my love. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, you have known her for like three, a- an hour and a half, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You're Get not your even, hands off her. <laughs> you're not even Billy. No. Yeah. I, he tries to talk her out of it, but then he plants one on her. It's like, dude, come on, <laughs> you're sending me signals. <laughs> and then Morgan Herb kind of comes. Oh, boy. Yeah. Don't dirty yourself with this scum. Yeah. It, right? Yeah. Morgan Herb doesn't seem like a very nice guy. And he also is kind of a coward because Chekhov only took two steps and f- towards him and he shot him. Doesn't even reach for his gun. Yeah. Yep. No. Oh, well. You know, it doesn't flinch. I, I thought that, you know, when I rewatched it, you know, for this episode, I thought, well, maybe, maybe Chekhov really does kind of flinch or do whatever. No, no Erp just shoots him down He's in cold blood. He's actually standing there with his hands away from his hips. Yeah. And starts, you know, sauntering towards him. Yeah. And then- he just gets shot somewhere. He looks like he gets shot in the chest because of where he put his hand, <laughs> but there was no blood. There was no hole in his shirt and he died. Well, there were no blood packs <laughs> in the budget for this episode because <laughs> they couldn't finish the damn waltz. <laughs> Which again, genius. Knowing that season three had the budget slashed to the bone, they were able to make sets not even half complete. 30% complete and make it work perfectly in this episode. The best one, the clock hanging in the middle of nothing. Oh, I know. I love that. <laughs> it's just so great. I was looking for like to maybe see if I could see fish line. Yeah. Can't, but couldn't, couldn't really see it. No, I couldn't really see it. Yeah. I, um, so at that point, bones confirm once check, well, you know, once Chekhov is shot, that Chekhov is dead, which creates a real, uh, a new problem because, he was supposed to survive. Right. And, and that that, that kind of gets them to thinking. Um, I, get, I, I would think it gets them a whole lot more worried, quite frankly. Things can change. Um, the whole idea that maybe they could create sort of a, a tranquilizer grenade. <laughs> With cotton seems water. Seems a little bit of a reach and i think i thought that even at seven years old i used to think it was kind of neat that he just pulls that little thing and all of a sudden i thought that was awesome i didn't think anything that oh that's that's kind of strange although i will say as long as i'm awake and with you at five o'clock and mccoy's like i guarantee it it was like 456 (laughs) and it's gonna knock him out but he's gonna be ready to go at five (laughs) o'clock i thought that was just hysterical (laughs) i um and I mean, I don't d- doubt Spock's science. Well, neither does he. You know, I don't doubt possible. Yep. I don't doubt McCoy's science. Mm-hmm. I think that in the real world, this would work. But I think that you know the Malkotians, uh, like you said, wanted to be entertained. Yeah. Now, 
this kind of brings up for me the question of what exactly entertains them. Is it visitors being murdered in front of their eyes? Mm-hmm. Or is it seeing if these people are crafty enough to get out of it? Mm-hmm. Either way, I I propose that they are messed up <laughs> and dark. And interestingly enough, we never see or hear from them again. No, we never do. Ever. Can you imagine how much more darker this episode could be if it were produced today, like oh. say during Strange New Worlds oh, or Discovery? Oh boy, yeah. Can you imagine? All right, so let's say they teleport them right back to the OK Corral. Well, this time it'd be a location shoot mm-hmm. because they'd have the budget for it. True. And I get the sense that this question would come up in the dialogue. Of whether they're, of whether they just want to see people die or whether they want to see people smart enough to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think yep. that maybe they're a little of column A and a little column B. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I agree. I was going to say it's probably a little bit of both. So I'm like, oh, wow, look at that. Chekhov just died. Oh, Kirk is figuring out how to get out of it. Oh, Spock knows that the science doesn't work here. Physics don't, you know, don't, it's in the same thing here on this planet or in this scenario. Yeah. Which, which is amazing. Which is clearly impossible. Clearly. Clearly. All Clearly. right. So we have to talk about your, I know this is probably your favorite scene in the movie, or the movie, the episode, the movie. and it's my favorite scene of the episode. Okay. When Kirk finds Sheriff Behan, <laughs> and he's never named in the episode, but you and I just know from he, Tombstone he actually and history. Is, but he, he actually is, but you, you barely hear it. Okay. When then he's I, walking by at the very beginning, when you see him for the first time, when Kirk realizes where he is, he walks by and he says, "Don't let be in. Don't don't let you know that Behan didn't blah 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 something something." I don't see that the totally got by me. Yeah, I yep. sit corrected. That's okay. But, but Kirk yeah. desperately, and we never see Kirk desperate very often. Yeah. But Kirk goes to Behan and wants him to stop the fight. Hmm. And Who wants um, to stop it? I don't. You don't. <laughs> I, 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 Kirk is a little over the top here. <laughs> you, th- you think? <laughs> Be- well, I, I think Kirk believes he's going to die. Good possibility. I think yeah. Shatner takes it a little over the top. He never does that. I know. <laughs> but I mean, in this scene in particular, you know, mm-hmm. you know, where he, you know, before the big line, and I'll let you give the big line because yeah. you do it so well. Okay. You know, um, you but can Behan, talk that way after what the Earps did to Billy today. <laughs> Nobody in this town will deny you your right to revenge. <laughs> Go ahead, finish it out. Yes, I want revenge. I want to crush the life out of the Earps, but I just can't kill him. I'll tell you what. You get down to the OK Corral, keep him out of sight. When the Earps come looking, you bushwhag him. I, I can't kill him. Kill him anyway. I can. <laughs> There'll be no questions asked. Honest. I guarantee it. <laughs> Tell him so, anyway you can. <laughs> so Behan is encouraging the yes. ambush and murder <laughs> of the U.S. Marshal. Uh huh. <laughs> in his jurisdiction. I just want to be sure I got this right. You did get that right. You absolutely did get it right. <laughs> so even Behan thinks that they're they're terrors. Uh huh. Yep. You know, in the um. In the scene earlier on when Kirk goes to talk to the Earps, and I had this moment where I expected, well, I, I, one of the Earps says uh, to Kirk, are you yellow? 
And I expected Kirk to turn around like Marty McFly I, with the music and go, what? <laughs> <laughs> I always knew you was yellow, Clinton. Yeah. Uh-huh. I expected him to turn around like Michael J. Fox. I don't know why, <laughs> but I think I'm just conditioned to that now. That's funny. Um, that scene with Behan is one of the best, but it's not my favorite scene of the episode. Oh, which one is? My favorite scene of the episode is when McCoy goes to the uh, barber or the oh. dentist's office and is looking for supplies. And there's a guy working on a guy in a chair and he wants, I will, I need, I need a, and he's looking, he just goes in, he starts like picking up drugs and he's looking, I need some of this. I need some of this. Well, that's, that's his stuff. You're going to have to ask him. And it turned out to be Doc Holliday. And Doc Holliday's having a blast with him. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. This, oh, we've heard about your 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 jokes, blah, blah, blah. But at the end, the, the, the my favorite line and just the way it's given is he goes, he, he says, your emergency, your emergency sure is real. Only best you be finished by five o'clock. Because at one minute past five, you'll find a hole in your head right from this gun. And he holds up a sawed off. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. I love that scene. It's just my favorite scene. The way that that guy brings that line across, it's my favorite part of the episode. Yeah. So Doc Holliday holds up his weapon of choice, <laughs> sort of the street cannon, the, mm-hmm. the, the sawed off shotgun. And yep. here's the thing. It's not just going to leave a hole in his head. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> it's going to shear right his head clean off. Clean off. Yep. I mean, and that's not hyperbole. I mean, that's why that I mean, that's what sawed-off shotguns do. And interestingly enough, fast forward to the movie Tombstone because we're doing that today. At the fight scene at the OK Corral, in order for Doc Holliday to get a clean shot at somebody, he has a sawed-off shotgun that he fires in the air to get the horse to jump and then shoots the guy. Yep, sawed-off shotgun by Doc Holliday. Interesting. I think that's actually uh, that might be historically accurate. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but I could believe it would be. Yeah, me too. Yep. So they should, they should have just thrown him being a lunger and he would have been all set. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's not yet begun to defile himself. This is almost turning it into an episode on Tombstone. <laughs> and we may actually have to do a special episode on Tombstone for Patreon. I, I would like to do that. I'm all for that. Just That'd for Patreon. Yep. That's all right. cool with me. Um, so go ahead. I was going to say, um, so all of these different aspects of the episode are great. Um, the lack of budget, uh, the, the acting scenes, the different things going on, the spinal column aliens, the red sky is fantastic throughout the episode. Yeah. Even when everybody's at, when they're at the okay corral and all the herps are starting to walk towards it with the wind blowing and the thunder and the lightning flashing so that the trees are reflecting their shadows on the red sky walls that are set up (laughs) behind them. Any other show, you'd be like, oh my God, look how fake that that looks. It works in this episode. I love the fact that you purposely can see those shadows on the the set walls. It's great. You know, I never thought about that. And all the years I've watched this episode and just loved it every time, I never once thought about the shadows on the the scrim or the Mm cycle or whatever you want to call it, depending if you're a theater person or a a soundstage person. I love Um, it. I, now I'm, that's all I'm going to see. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for ruining it for me, Dan. <laughs> so our our surviving landing party members mm-hmm. 
um, get to the OK Corral, which I think is bigger than the actual OK Corral. It is. Looking at the side. I think so, yes. Um, and they realize that once they get there, it's surrounded by a force field, which makes it truly impossible for them to leave. Yep. They are theoretically doomed to this fate. Mm-hmm. Until, and let's, yeah. let me let me jump in and say, they don't actually go to the OK Corral. Well, that's they true. are the transported because Kirk is like, we're not going to move from this spot. Blah, blah, blah. Boom. Great okay, point. Corral. Yep. We're going to stay right here. <laughs> I love that part. And then, of course, you know, you get the old Batman 66 yep, spin. spiral. Yep. <laughs> so they wind up at the OK Corral. Thank you for correcting me. No problem. Um, and they realize that a mind meld from Spock may be their only way out of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one I got to say, I'm going to be honest. That's the one part of the episode that I'm kind of like, eh, on. Okay. Why? It's too convenient. And I'll tell you what, no matter what Spock is doing, he's half human. No matter what Spock says or puts in your mind, you're, he's still half human. There, he says the slightest doubt can kill you. I, I, I'm afraid I'd always have that slightest doubt. <laughs> yeah. I, I be, not, not so much because I don't trust him, but he is half human. So it's, does, it's are, are you telling me that he doesn't have the smallest, slight, slightest doubt? It's do very, think, it's. Ugh. Do you think maybe his logical Vulcan side is strong enough to sort of. Apparently Keep that doubt out of the picture. I, it, it must be because it works. Yeah. But yeah, but that's one thing that I've always questioned of all in all the years of loving this episode is that aspect of it. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't want to say I've had a similar question, but I've had kind of a, uh, a tangential question and it's this, this mind meld seems a whole lot like hypnosis. <laughs> hey, do not exist. <laughs> right? Yes. I, you know, I, in which case, what can't mind melds do? Apparently, you know, uh, earlier on in like season one, Spock can control somebody through a wall. Oh, right. I forgot about you know, that. You um, know, he can, you know, essentially blank people's memories, you know, that we've yeah. learned with Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, he can hypnotize them. Sure. Why not? Am I wrong? Does it seem like hypnotism? No, it, it, it really does, especially the look on McCoy's face. When it's, it kind of is like, it reminds me of Mirror Mirror. He's got that look again. He's like, yeah. 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 So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, he does the hypnosis. And even though, I'm sorry, I'd be I'd be dead because the slightest, the, if the slightest doubt can kill you, slightest doubt. Yeah, but even with that slightest doubt, the best special effects that aren't even special effects take place in the next scene. When the bullets are like going off the back of the of the wood behind them, I gotta right tell through. you, I love that. I gotta tell you, as a kid, I was stunned by that. I'm like, how do they do that? Yeah. So you know, you see the you know the bullets come through the other side of the wood. Yeah. I'm like how how can they do that? <laughs> I I was I was totally amazed. I totally bought in. Yeah. At seven years old. It was great. I love that part. Even today, it's great. It's yeah. it's really fantastic. I think that they probably blew the budget on those squibs. Probably. 
Because <laughs> yep. it certainly hope, wasn't on anything else. I hope they didn't have to do any retakes. <laughs> oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. And of course, uh, you know, that happens. The All the bullets, they run out of bullets. And then Kirk decides to, Kirk foo it. He goes charging at the guy, both feet into the chest. Oh, the Kirk yeah. drop kick. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You got to have some good old fashioned Kirk foo. Dayton Ward would be proud of me right now. That's true. <laughs> and then after that, they all wind up suddenly on the bridge and Chekhov's alive and well. Right. And on Very, the screen. Have I been? This girl, she was so beautiful, so real. And then you hear aliens. <laughs> so I wanted to do that all show. <laughs> um, oh, the sort of kicker scene in this, you know, the one right before the credits, where usually they have the Star Trek laughing syndrome, is a little more serious. <laughs> um, yeah. Spock asks Kirk, you know, kind of this question, you know, did you really want to kill the herbs? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I think that part of me thinks that Kirk really did to avenge Chekhov. But I also think that he thought it was the only way out of the thing. You know, I, we learned from Kirk later on that he carries a grudge, right? Yeah. Star Trek six, yep. the undiscovered country. Sure. I, I get the feeling because check on was check was so young and full of promise. I really kind of think that, um, this was more Kirk going against the herbs than it was. I clan. Yeah, I, I agree. And, but he, he did, you know, Spock asked, you know, you wanted to kill and McCoy butts in and says, but he didn't kill. And Spock says, but he wanted to. And right. Kirk is like, is that, is that what you think? And he says, you're absolutely right. That's exactly the way it was. He wanted to kill. Why he wanted to kill, he never says. That's right. It's a great point that you just made. Um, so, yeah. And it's funny that Spock, again, he always likes to, he always likes to, to just like turn the knife a little bit in the back of humanity because he says, mankind, ready to kill. I'm sorry. He, he's mankind also, but he's not human. You know what I mean? He always, he's always throwing little digs at humanity and, and stuff like that. Not, not all the time, but, but he does have several episodes, several times at ends of episodes where he will do that. And he does it a little bit. And then Kirk tries to clear it up by saying, oh, that's just the way it was in 1881. Right. That's how it is in 2024, dude. Yeah. That's, (laughs) um, that's how it is in TOS when they meet the Klingons. He said the last, the last sentence of the episode is we overcame our instinct for violence. I'd like to know when that was because I'd like to put that on my calendar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, it's certainly not during TOS. Not at all. Nope. So we still got a couple hundred years to go. And I get what Gene Kuhn was trying to do here. He was trying to keep that optimistic spirit of the future going. I totally understand it. But there's enough that we've seen in TOS already that says that at our core, humanity still is violent but we need to keep those urges in check in order to make things better. And in fact, TOS beats us over the head with that several times. Yeah. Yep. Um, I want to go back to the mind meld for a minute. Okay. Cause as I've gotten older, I've developed more of an appreciation for, you know, hypnosis jokes aside, Spock's thought process here. You know, we think of, well, you know, he tells them, you know, you have to think of these bullets as shadows and illusions, um, specters without body, if you will, thus the, mm-hmm. the title of the episode, to be ignored. And at a 
at an impressionable age, it taught me a lot about dealing with the things I had going on in my life. You know, whereas if I treat these things as shadows and illusions, they made them a little easier to get through mm -hmm. or to persevere. I think persevere is the right word. You know, ultimately, I mean, and of course I'm talking about, you know, for those who, who may not, uh, may not be aware or may have forgotten. I'm talking about the, the situation with my dad and the, the things that I endured growing up, which we covered in the, uh, the, what I've learned from Saru episode of, of right. Trek Geeks. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I still <clears throat> think about that today. And, you know, I, I think that on some level it's Spock using some sort of escapism to sort of defeat the situation. And that's ultimately what it became for me. But, you know, I think of other things, you know, when, you know, uh, feeling anxiety, you know, things along those lines, you know, I, I do my best to ignore things so that they don't impact me. So then they can't be real. Mm -hmm. They're bullets to be ignored. They're specters without bodies. Yep. You know, if I'm walking in a city, I try not to essentially look around straight up going, Hey, look at this tall building over here. Yeah. You know, yep. it's focusing on things that. I know I can focus on to get myself through the situation. And really, if you think about it, it's not unlike what Spock does for the landing party. I've never thought of it like that before. That's, that's pretty deep, man. And seriously. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I've never, I've never thought of that. I've thought of it like that at all. It took me until my thirties to realize that. Now, obviously I'm in my fifties now as are you, but mm -hmm. you know, I was watching it one afternoon while I was alone in my apartment in, in Milford, you know, just sort of kick back. It was like a Saturday. I had nothing going on. I wasn't on call. I said, oh, I'm going to watch some Trek. You know, I've got these VHS tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I may as well pop a piece. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I watched Spectre of the Gun and I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. I get it. I get it now. I understand. And it, it makes me wonder what made Gene Kuhn think of that element? Was it because he had something in his past or knew yeah. somebody in his present? You know, what was it that made him choose that specific dialogue to put on the page? Mm -hmm. I wish he were alive so that, you know, yeah. we could ask him this question or, you know, if there were some kind of notes. Um, but I, I think that's my one great regret in the scope of this episode he obviously died when you and i were both very young and we'll never right. get a chance to ask him mm -hmm. but now looking back in in hindsight i'm forced to ask myself that question you know writing comes from a place of experience right yeah what did gene coon experience that made him write that and i'm That's forever going to wonder about that it's funny that you say that because not on a star trek not in a star trek related comment I think of that a lot because some of the things that I watch on television or in movies, I'm like, what in the world was going through this writer's mind when he came up with this? Yeah. Sometimes like really like, dude, you are screwed up. Like the movies, like the Saw franchise. I think that <laughs> or other things like we're watching Grimm, like I always talk about the, the, the level of detail and fantasy writing that works so well. What are they thinking when they come up with some of this stuff? It's really, I, it's, it's really incredible. The job that these writers do to come up with these stories that we enjoy watching or reading or, or whatever it is, how we do it. 
It really is. So yeah. I, I think that's the other reason why I enjoy this episode so much because, you know, I, I found new ways to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. You know, as I, as I look at it from that different perspective, a perspective I just couldn't have realized back when I first watched it or even into my teens and twenties, yeah. you know, when I started to reconcile some of these things in my own mind, you know, it, it really just kind of slapped me in the face when I watched it that Saturday. Huh. And so ever since then, I've kind of watched this episode with that question in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to believe that Gene Kuhn had a fine sense of history, you know? Yep. He True. writes a very solid script here. Mm -hmm. um, if this were produced outdoors in sort of the, the Old West lot, I think it would have been pretty awesome. Yeah. But um, it, it just it. That's always going to be in the back of my mind for the rest of my life. That's interesting. It's, 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 and now, like we talked about before, we talked about the shadows on the walls. Now I'm yeah. going to think about that every time I watch it. So well, there you go. And perhaps uh, some folks out there listening to this will too. Yeah. Um, I'm curious as to how this episode hits other folks. You know, if you haven't watched this in a while, I would encourage you to watch it. Oh, so you know, approach it with a fresh mind. I mean, you and I have done that with various episodes over the years. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we've come away with a new appreciation. You know, uh, pretend you're playing Say Something Nice, you know? Sure. Find elements of this episode to really, you know, respect and like. And then ask yourself this question, what did Gene, what did Gene Kuhn experience that had him write that element? Yeah. They could have found anything else. Why that? Interesting. Yeah, I think that's a good, I think, I th and, and if anybody does that, let us know. Drop us a not. Drop us an email. Let us know yeah. your thought process. Hit us um, on social either too. You know, it's interesting. I've been I've been going through uh, some of the the stuff uh, at our friends over at Memory Alpha in regards to this episode. Interestingly enough, Sulu's not in this episode at all. Yeah, I did not. I didn't realize that. The other thing that I liked, which we didn't talk about, is at the beginning of the episode when the Melkotians first appear and talk. Everybody who on the bridge hears it in a different language. Oh, that's right. It's pretty awesome. You know, Ohori hears it in Swahili and Russian. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, of course, the guy who played Morgan Earp actually shows up later in Star Trek as uh, John in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Yeah. Pretty cool when I first realized that back in the day. It's one of my favorite this pieces of trivia. Yeah, it is very cool. One of the things that I didn't know until just now, which I think is really cool. D. Kelly, of course, was famous for Westerns. He played Ike Clanton in 1955 in an episode uh, of You Are There. And he also played Morgan Earp in the movie Gunfight at the OK Corral. Oh, that's funny. Which is very cool. I, I love uh, I love the, uh, the, the trivia that we get uh, with these different episodes. And lastly, um, until the release of the Star Trek re reboot in 2009... This is the only time in Star Trek history up until that point where Kirk is referred to as Mr. Kirk. You never hear that in the entire run of everything until 2009. Oh, wow. Interesting. Which is very interesting. And I, I, I think that's not the same now because if, if memory serves, I think he's called Mr. Kirk in Strange New Worlds, but I could be wrong about that. Um, but still, kind of cool. So cool. I don't know if you know about you or there. But that's a series that originally started as a radio show for CBS and then became a television show hosted by Walter Cronkite. And I he would sort know. of narrate the episode like a news story. Oh, okay. And there cool. would be these dramatizations by actors in costumes. 
which okay. uh, which is how you know the OK Corral would have come up. Okay, you know, and it was it, essentially teaching history through the news. Kind of cool how the name of it was called. You are there. That's kind of neat. That that makes it that makes sense now. I did not know that. That's cool. One of my other favorite little bits in here, and this is just because I use this font a lot for Trek geeks. <laughs> the sign that says Sheriff in the faux tombstone, Arizona, uses the same font as the TOS main title. So when you That's see awesome. Star Trek on the screen, it's that font that is used on set for the sheriff sign. I love that little piece of detail. And every time that I see great. it, I kind of go, <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And they did that. What do they do that in? Uh, I think we saw that in Maverick. One of the guys in, in the movie, the Top Gun sequel, somebody mm. had the Star Trek font. Fanboy. Uh, yeah. Yep. On his helmet. Right. The other thing I love is to, I love to hate Scotty's hairstyle in this episode. <laughs> and yeah. apparently Jimmy Dewan hated it too. <laughs> um, he didn't choose it because I thought it made him look like an old man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, granted, he was older, but um, we see it for a few episodes. <laughs> but I always yeah, thought that look was just, was horrible for him. Grease back, slick back. Yeah. Because <laughs> it created this big poof, like right, right in the front middle. Yep. And I'm like, dude, what is, what is up with the hair? Go back to the side part. That's funny. Um, also, the only episode of Star Trek, the original series, where you see the episode, uh, where you see the Enterprise is heading toward a planet at the end of the episode, instead of heading off into space, because they're heading towards the Melkotian homeworld. Because they defeated the horrible plans of the dark and uh, disgusting Malkotians. Spiny. 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 Well, spineless. Could call them spineless because they were just basically big spine. They were big brain. spines. Big yeah. spine and brain. Yeah. Spine brain. Brain and brain. What is spine brain? Hashtag spine brain. <laughs> so, Dan, do you, have a- any, um, do you have any closing thoughts here on, uh, on Spectre of the Gun, which we just, we love unabashedly and unapologetically? unapologetically it is a, it's a serious episode in terms of they're all facing death but it is just so fun to watch it's enjoyable to watch there's humor in it there's the the campiness because of the low budget it is just one of those ones where if it's on i'm stopping whatever i'm whatever channel surfing i'm doing not that i channel surf anymore because i don't have cable but you know what i mean it's always one that i will watch as a matter of fact if i'm going through my my uh um my uh, library i'll i'll pick that in a heartbeat because it's just great and and I'll, I'll come back to it i said it before and i've said this in so many episodes through the through the years when music is a character then the music is done right and the music in this episode is done right because it sounds like a western and they use the star trek tones with like harmonicas and stuff like that and it just works and it makes you feel like you are in the old west kind of <laughs> I got to tell you, Jerry Fielding does an amazing score for this episode. It's one of my favorites. You know, they reused a lot of music in Star Trek um, mm-hmm. it, during its three seasons, not in this episode. Yeah. There's some great original compositions here that just make you feel like you're watching a Western. Yep. And I love it. Um, I, I got to agree with you on all counts. I love um, I love the the things that make this episode unique. If I were going to call something out like the music, I would call out Matt Jeffrey's set designs. Yes. Um, because they were nothing short of brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know Matt Jeffries was brilliant. I mean, look at the Enterprise. 
for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, look at the the unique designs that we've seen all throughout Star Trek. But to do something like this, something that's immediately recognizable as the Old West, but different, it, it made us look at this a different way and say, why is it this way? Mm-hmm. You know, I it, it just, it was, I think it's some of his best work in the series, as surreal and minimal as it is. And and we we said at the beginning just the writing. If if you do an episode so well that a young person thinks that this group of characters are the actual good guys when they're actually the ones that the law is after in real life, then you're doing something right. Yeah. And, and keep in mind right. with Gene Kuhn who wrote this as we talked about under the pseudonym Lee Cronin, if not for Gene Kuhn, you wouldn't have the Klingons. You wouldn't have the concept of Starfleet in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have the prime directive in Star Trek and a, a a dozen other things that we take for granted as fans every day. Yeah. The guy was the equivalent of Bill Finger for, for creating Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, he created a lot of the lore for Star Trek, you know, Gene Kuhn that Gene Roddenberry didn't lay down at stuff yeah. we love today. So we've uh, had some good showrunners in Star Trek. We have. Yeah, you know, late, you know, the latest, of course, Terry, uh, and and you know, Gene did a great job. Uh, so yeah, um, hope it keeps going. Well, how would you do if you were a showrunner, Bill? Well, I, th- you know, showrunner really translates to head writer. I'm not a writer. Mm. You know, for as much as I can write things, you know, in the real world, yeah, writing for characters really just isn't my forte. Um, like I could, I could never write a novel just because I'm really not good at capturing the stuff that's in between the dialogue. Yeah. Right. And I think that writing a script for something like this, I, I would not really do an effective job. Yeah. Um, it, what about you? I don't, I have, I would be, I, I would suck at it. Uh, <laughs> just, just, I just, I look at what we got now, like I said, Terry Metallis and, and Mike McMahon and the Hageman brothers for now in today's world, those showrunners are all incredible. And I can't even fathom how they come up with the stuff that they have been able to come up with um, in the last few years. I don't know how they do it. I don't, it's not something I don't envy it. I, you really have to be born with that special talent. I think Um, if somebody came to me and said, okay, we got this thing going, we're going to make you the showrunner. I would be probably soiling myself. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing. I can watch something and realize what they were trying to do with it, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, and well, think about when we were covering season one of Discovery on Discovering Trek, and we heard from the writer's room and said, you guys, you guys nailed it. That's exactly what we were yeah. trying to do. Yeah. I think we're good at watching TV yes. and yeah. not necessarily writing TV. I will, I will 100% agree with that. Well, Dan, that's going to do it for Spectre of the Gun. Um, I'm going to go watch this episode again right away, and I may watch it another time after that because I just... I. Truly, it's one of those Trek episodes I can't get enough of. It does not get old. No. It 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 really doesn't. I mean, there's so many things as we talked about that are that are campy and corny, but that's what makes it fun. It's like and this is probably gonna people are gonna be like, Are you serious? It's kinda like Spock's brain in that as some people can't stand that episode, but it's got that great campiness that makes it a, a fantastic episode for me. But Spectre of the Gun is on a level higher. And I just enjoy it to no end. You know, it's it's great when they take some of those elements that are, you know, clearly budgetary concerns and just make it mm-hmm. part of the script to explain and it away. It works so great. It's um it just it's it's one I will never ever tire of. Mm-hmm. There are Absolutely. episodes of Star Trek I'm just I 
I've seen so many times. I just, I need a break. That yeah. will never happen with Spectre of the Gun. I agree. I agree. I love it. Danny, love it. you know what else I'll never tire of? The music face? you hear. I'll never tire of my face. Yours, yeah. I was over 25 years ago. I will never tire of the music of Five Year Mission. Ever. Ever. They are every song you hear on Trek Geeks. Um, we love those guys. You know, year one, year two, year three, year four, Spock's Brain, Trouble with Tribbles. Um, we want you to get their CDs in your hot little hands mm. because that physical media is key. It is. You know, it's yours forever. Yeah. Nobody can take it away from you once you own it. So go on it to fiveyearmission.net. Become a huge fan of Five Year Mission and their songs about the original Star Trek um, because no. these are not songs that are parodies. These are songs that make you look in these episodes in a different way. And that truly is the best part about what they've created. So fiveyearmission.net, go get those CDs. Yo. I know, I know this is something that doesn't happen often, but I'm having a little bit of a mind block right now. You? Have they done a, have they done a Spectre of the Gun song yet? That I'm going to guess that's in year five. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. I can't wait to hear it. Um, I, I don't have my CD. My CDs are upstairs oh, actually, so. That's all right. Um, that's all right. You could look it up, but you I will. Are lazy. But I'm bu- I'm busy right now podcasting, so I'll do that later. But I gotta say, as lazy. you know, we've talked about it this entire this entire hour plus. Spectre of the Gun is one of my favorite episodes, no matter what version I watch, Bill. Whether it's the classic old TOS one that we just talked about, or my top secret five year mission versions that I have hidden in my closet, the, you know, the same line is still the best line of the entire episode. <clears throat> Your emergency sure is real. Go on, take the stuff. Have some more fun. Take my bag. Only best you be finished before Fark o'clock. Because at one minute past Fark, you'll find a hole in your head right from this drum. See what I did there? I do. I just, I hate it. It's making me nauseous. I hated it. Wow. Should I say, hear what I did there, not see what I did there? No, I did see you doing it, and it made me (laughs) nauseous. um, Because you and I can see each other on camera. We can. Um, I love, that's such a great line. So let me see if I get this straight. Yeah. We only did nine episodes last year. You've had a lot Uh of time to prepare (laughs) to Mm. write the farkism of your life. Yeah. And you brought that. Oh, I'm going to, I shared it with you earlier because I thought it was such a good one. And you gave me a big old smiley face back. So no, I didn't. Did you see the pukey then? face? Oh, was it pukey face? Yeah. I thought that was a smile. In fact, there was also a, a face with a tear. Oh, I it, thought you were crying. So you were happy. No. No. Well, no. that's okay. Fart, um, clock, fire, drum. I, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to make a special request. Oh, here we go. For year 10. Mm-hmm. Could you actually try? So you I don't got, have to do the rest of this year? No, you've got 11 months now to prepare. <laughs> but for year 10, could you actually like bring your A game? Now, I know that's a level you've never competed at before, but mm. could you really just sort of apply yourself here, buddy? Apply. Andy. A game. Andy Park. Fiveyearmission.net. <laughs> Please go get all those CDs. And uh, I just, I don't know. See, now you want to watch that version. No, no, I really don't. (laughs) 
Don't forget, you too can support Trek Geeks by subscribing to us on Patreon, where you can get exclusive perks and uh, meet a whole bunch of cool people, like some of the names Dan's going to read right now. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of names. I'm going to have to take a couple breaths, probably. We want to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. For Trek Geeks. We love <laughs> them so much, and we're so happy that they're part of the family. So thank you, Vikram Bhatt, Chad Clark, Corey Clay, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Ryan Jeffs, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Aaron Mollenkoff, Sarah Ledoux, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, who's on a cruise again, surprise, Desi Rogers, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, Kaylee. <laughs> okay, I got to stop right now because he's trying to make me laugh in the window when it worked. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> you, <laughs> You're a vapor. Kaylee is a wacky. And the gracious and wonderful Colin Hutchins. You, you don't have any proof whatsoever, <laughs> uh, but those people are all amazing. So too are the names I'm about to read. They are producers of Trek Geeks. Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Brian Hackwith, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonagall, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Casey Pettit, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Terry Shull, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. Now, I don't know if you were doing things in the camera or not, because I actually had to put this in front of the broadcast window. So if you were there flailing about like you were, you know, an I idiot. I don't do that. I don't want to cause any issues with the broadcast. So I just let you do your thing. That's all right. I'll, I'll see you in a minute. That's fine. Um, <laughs> the senior producer of Trek Geeks is the awesome, the amazing. Yeah. The stupendous, the one and only yep. Yep. Jude Tatman. And he loves my Farkisms. You too can become a producer of Trek Geeks, and it is so easy to do. Just head on over to patreon.com slash Trek Geeks for all the details. Dan, next time you and I are going to talk about some Star Trek. Okay. Spoiler alert. Sounds, sounds good. I love it. What are we talking about? No clue. No, it's we'll command decision right now. You're on. Uh, maybe we'll do the Barclay episode that we've been promising for like the last nine years. So every time <laughs> we say that we're going to do that, something else happens. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I can tell you, I guarantee you the episode we're not going to do next week is Reg Barclay. <laughs> okay. All right, then. I'll think of something. A little reverse psychology there. Let's do an episode, compl- just a whole episode on all of the different deltas from Future Imperfect. <laughs> Let's just do, why don't we do Future Imperfect? That we haven't take- done that yet. So it shall be. All right, then. Next time, Future Imperfect on an all-new Trek Geeks. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts on the network. So many great shows, all of whom work a hell of a lot harder than Dan Davidson. You can find mm. them all by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. Trek Geeks. <laughs> that, was, that was dramatic, a dramatic pause, but it's, I guess it didn't work too good. That's what it was. Trek, <laughs> Trek Geeks. No one talks Trek like we do. <laughs> like Dan Davidson. Of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at TrekGeeks.net. For now, this has been episode number 309 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Have some more fun. Yeah. Take my coconut. <laughs> Take my coconut, please. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. 
Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Hello, is this work? Eh. Hi. Is, uh, is this? Hello. Hi, I'm Bill. Is it? Hi. <laughs> hi. Hi. Who? Who? Who are you? You look familiar, but I can't quite place a face. Bill Smith. Oh. Creator, executive producer. Um, Remember him. Founder of Trek Geeks. Oh right. That's um, at, I, it's on the tip of my tongue. I, 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 it's not all there yet. I'm sure it'll come back to me. It's all coming back to me now. Maybe, maybe you've a- heard of it from an alternate name used by my former co-host, Trek Geeps. <laughs> hey, pal. Hey, buddy. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing happy, okay. Happy, uh, happy February. Happy, happy New Year. Happy anniversary. Happy New Month. Happy New Recording. Happy, 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 joy, joy, joy. I don't know if we can actually say Happy New Year on February 1st. <laughs> Why not? I think the statute of limitations has run out. <laughs> <laughs> it's our, but it's our first time we're together one, this year. We're so. one-twelfth of the way through the year. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's okay. I'm, I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? I, I'm feeling great. You may feel good, but you look like shit. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's probably because I was in nice, beautiful 80-degree weather for a couple of days, and I came home to this claptrap of a nice storm. No, I don't think it's the weather. I just think it's your face. Oh, I see. There we go. The first, your face of 2024. Didn't take long. It took a whole one minute and 47 seconds. That's you're great. welcome. Thank you. You're yes, welcome. Yes, appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's all right. That's, that's okay. I'll, I'll allow it. Oh, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed, that's for sure. If there's anything people can count on after nine years, and by the way, you said it earlier, happy anniversary. Happy yes. nine years to us. Wow. We started this odyssey, um, uh, it seemed like forever ago, and to think that next year we'll hit 10 years of doing Trek Geeks is, is a little mind-blowing. Um, and I forget where I was going with this, but... Um, <laughs> Which I think I would have done nine years ago as well. <laughs> I would have done it like yesterday, so it's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm a little, it's a little weird to think of nine years because I mean, when we started, there were a few Star Trek podcasts. There was a fairly large Star Trek podcast network that wasn't us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now it seems like everybody has a podcast and um, we've we've seen so many of them grow and thrive and um, and our, our network has thrived as well. We've we've got so many great shows on on the Trek Geeks network. It's it's weird to see how sort of the Trek podcast space has evolved 
in almost a decade. It's kind of mind-blowing. It is, and I think that's uh, in large part because we finally, you know, over the last several years, we've had great new Star Trek. So people are wanting to talk about it, and what better way than to get behind a microphone and and talk about it and, and get an audience. So I think it's great. We're a great family of podcasters all the way around, but of course we have a special place for all of the wonderful people on our network that are just doing a fantastic job, and and uh, kudos to them, and, and happy birthday to them too. They may not have been around for the full nine years, but they're part of the celebration. Well, and, you know, throughout the pandemic and, and through the last year or so, when you and I have had challenging personal and, and corporate lives, um, they've helped carry the the weight of this network. So, mm-hmm. you know, our, our hats are off to them for, you know, keeping Trek geeks out there and for making sure that there were still great conversations happening when you and I were necessarily unable to. So, uh, yeah. but hey. It's a new year, new us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or same old us, just new year, I guess. Yeah. Um, there's nothing new about us. You know? No. Man, you look like a one of the horse saddles from Spectre of the Gun that's been out in the sun too long. Dude, I'm pasty white. How could that be? You're just wrinkly. I am not. <laughs> no, I'm you're not wrinkly at all. <laughs> so just try to, you know. Anyway. I, I am wrinkly. Which is funny because there's really no sun in that episode when you think about it, because it's all red sky and there's no sun at all, and it's thundering, and you can see the shadows of the trees. But we're going to get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> and Chekhov dies. Woo-hoo! Uh, uh, that's a shame. Party! <laughs> all right, now just before people yell at me, I love Walter Koenig. He is yes. a delightful, wonderful human being. Um, he has given so much to Star Trek over the years and is yeah. so wonderful with the fans. I adore the man. I don't love the character and that's not his fault. Not at all. I don't like the way it was written. Yep. And he is a wonderful gentleman who came up to our table and talked to us out of the blue in Vegas uh, last year, which was like one of the highlights for me. It was just great. Just We're just sitting there, you know, getting ready to clean up because it was on Sunday. And all of a sudden this, this guy just kind of like walks over slowly and I look up and there's Walter. He was making the rounds. It was, and it was pretty awesome to say hi and thank him to everything because it's the first time I've ever met him in person, and it was it was pretty cool. I've never seen uh, a Star Trek actor do that necessarily. They've said hi on their way out of the room. Yeah, but Walter was literally making the rounds to all the tables and checking stuff out. And yep, uh, good for him. I, I think that's awesome. You know, he he's awesome, quite honestly. But he is. Um, you kind of suck. I do. Uh, so it, it kind of cancels each other out. Not at all, because he's way more awesome. Than he's way more awesome. Is he? He's way more awesome, but I way more suck. So does it cancel each other out? It might. You should not talk about math or sciencey type things, like canceling <laughs> things out. Um, oh. I, 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 my brain is starting to hurt. One thing I can talk about when it comes to math, yeah, is adding up all the amazing dollar signs that came out of our Trek Talks three. This what a fantastic day that was. This is the only time math is not hard. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, it wasn't. We'll, we're going to talk about that at the top of show, probably. Yeah. You know, um, uh, it's it never ceases to amaze me the charitability of Star Trek fans. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, the first year we did this, just a couple of years ago. You know, this is our third telethon. We started in 2022. Um, we had no idea how people were going to respond to this. And it's grown every year. 
You know, it really it, has. We've raised more money every year. We have more and more Star Trek people saying, "Yeah, I absolutely want to help." You know, we've managed to have different panels every year, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and some really, really great ones. You know, uh, but more about that later. Um, yeah. But to think that you know, in eight hours, with the amazing help from uh, from from Eugene Roddenberry, we raised. $110,000 for the Hollywood Food Coalition, bringing our three-year total uh, to almost $350,000. That's um, absolutely mind-boggling. That's great. If if that is the lasting legacy of Trek Geeks, long after you and I are gone, mm-hmm. long after this podcast fades away someday, um, <laughs> you can't see it, but Dan just sort of waved his hand across the screen. Um, there will still be the fact that this little Star Trek podcast network started a charitable effort and over X amount of years, they raised a lot of money to help a lot of people directly. And if that's what people remember Trek Geeks for, I am perfectly fine with it. Yep. Me too. Um, um, I, I love it. It was a great day. Sue and I are actually going out to California for an extended long weekend during the summer. And um, I'm hoping to be able to squeeze some time to go up to the Hollywood Food Coalition while we're there and, and say hi to everybody and, and do a little uh, volunteer work. You should have JB bring you over. I'm going to. Oh, don't you worry about that. We'll be chatting. We'll be getting that all scheduled. Oh, great. Huh? Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know. Of course, we're going to Disneyland too. I was going to say you probably are going to Disney. <laughs> Absolutely, if if I know you, um, yeah, and I do. I've not been at. I have not been into Disneyland since I was like two. Wow. Two yeah. So a long time ago. So, long time, long time ago, over half a century ago. Because uh, you old. I was old. I is so. My yeah. wife, my wife and I were there in Anaheim to go to Disneyland the day before she had a tattoo scheduled in the Anaheim area. Mm-hmm. And it was October and it was hot. I mean, it was like 90 degrees. Oh boy. Yeah. That's and hot. it was, it was atypical from what I understand. And we went on one ride. We did haunted mansion and we said, we, we got to go. We're going to get sunburned and she won't be able to get tattooed tomorrow. <laughs> so we, you know, we waited like an hour, yeah. um, sweat, sweating. Oh my gosh. And then went back to the hotel room and watched football. There you go. <laughs> we were in we were in California several years ago, and we did stay at one of the resorts at Disneyland, but we did not go into the park. We had dinner at their version of Downtown Disney, but we did not go into the park. So we're looking forward to doing that this year. It'll be kind of interesting to see the differences between what I'm used to and Disneyland. So what amazes me is how small Disneyland, yes, Magic Kingdom seems. It's like literally off the highway. It's like exit, and it's right there in the in the yeah, and it's cramped. Everything just seems more condensed, like even Main Street USA, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And now, granted, the last time I was in Orlando was literally 10 years ago. I'm looking at the photo on my mantle over here. Um, it was my anniversary 10 years ago, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when we went to Disneyland, I'm like, oh, so it's the mini version. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And there's some subtle differences in some of the rides. Like I know Pirates is a little different and Haunted Mansion is different. So, and they have what they call a roller coaster with the Matterhorn, but I really don't think it is. No, I don't either. But we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> when I went there back in the day, they had the Indiana Jones stunt show spectacular mm-hmm. um, back in the nineties when I went. Yeah. I think uh, it's still there. That was pretty cool. The, I want to say there was also a separate ride, like a temple of doom ride. Oh, 
Okay. I could have that wrong, but there was an Indiana Jones ride. Okay. Or at least maybe I'm dreaming about it, but I'm sure somebody will tell me and correct me. Um, but I went on Space Mountain that trip, mm-hmm. which was very cool. Yeah. I um, I liked Disneyland very much. It was my, my first ever foray to uh, to Disney. Um, I'm just glad I got to to go with better people yes. to Disney World. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward you. to it. <laughs> no, I no, of course not. I, I I know that. It's it was really weird to be in Florida last weekend. We went down for a long weekend to visit my brother and his wife, but it was really weird to not go to Disney. We actually talked about, you know what, let's just go to downtown Disney and get some food and stuff on Sunday. But we didn't. We ended up staying where we were the whole weekend, had a great time. So That's uh that's pretty cool. You know, yeah, we had a yeah, we had fun. And you'll have a great time at Disneyland too. I mean Oh, I'm sure we will. If, Absolutely uh, sure. We will. If I weren't moving in a couple of months, I would probably meet you out there and go. I'm probably going to talk champion into bring us to that exclusive bar that they have there. I'm going to be like, dude, meet us and take us in there. Come on, yeah, be a friend. Yeah, <laughs> right. Not, he doesn't. He doesn't even like me. So. No one likes you. Come on. <laughs> People largely tolerate you, and I think tolerate is a good kind. description. I think yeah, that's, that's a good kind. description. I, I'll go with that. I don't know how your wife does it. She chose you. She did. Yeah. And she, I've met her. She's a lovely person. I don't know. Yeah. What, did you have dirt on her? Um, I might have. I don't know. Drugs might have been involved. I don't remember. I mean, did you. <laughs> did, 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 are you holding her hostage? <laughs> uh, Sue, if you can out. hear this, blink twice if you need help. <laughs> Speaking of hostage. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so we have a very <laughs> exciting. I'll, I'll, I'll share it now. Um, we have a very exciting thing coming up this weekend. Um, I won't go into the story because it's very long, um, but we might be welcoming a new furry friend into our home very soon. Uh, so, oh wow! So we're, we're meeting her this weekend. The stars have aligned so far. She looks like a wonderful uh, uh, little thing. So we're going to be meeting her this weekend. And if all goes according to how I hope it does. Good things are going to happen, and we'll have a new pop. That's awesome. So, I look forward to that. Fingers crossed. We were going to do it last weekend, uh, last week, but uh, or two weekends ago. But um, poor little thing got conjunctivitis, so we we didn't do it. And then we were gone last weekend. But uh, right. this weekend, it's all lined up, and uh, both Sue and I, and hopefully Aria, very excited to meet her. So we'll very see. Cool. I have a little bit of personal no- news, which you know about. Yes. But I want to tell the audience about it because they may see it and wonder what the hell is going on with Trek Geeks. Um, I am starting a side podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, on Spotify exclusively um, dedicated to Generation X. And I will so- soon be promoting it, not through Trek Geeks, but yeah. um, in case people see it and wonder, well, Bill's doing the solo project. Does this mean there's no more Trek Geeks? No, that's not what it means at all. Damn better right not mean it, even though I didn't know how I said that. What? I... <laughs> And welcome to the last episode of Trek Geeks. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's very. I'm very excited for you, man. Uh, um, you were talking to me about it, and I know that you're excited about it. You can hear it in your voice when we talk about it. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's going to go really, really uh, great for you. And I'm just glad I got to help with uh, you picking out the graphics for it. That was fun. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. I yeah. um, it, it's it, it's something that I've kind of always wanted to do, but didn't know there was a way to do it. And um, so it. it it's a podcast called Totally Gen X, um, and each you know, it's going to talk about growing up in Generation X, and then also growing older, because mm-hmm. the first Gen Xers turn sixty next year. Can you believe that? No. People no. born in nineteen sixty-five, the first year of Generation X, um, turn sixty. So 
you know, there's, there's still plenty to learn in life. You know, it's, you know, how do you deal with X and Y and Z as you sort of cross this next mm-hmm. threshold into, I hate to use the word senior citizenship. <laughs> so plus we're going to look at, you know, the top five songs of any given week because it's a Spotify nice. podcast. You can mm-hmm. actually use Spotify music in it. Oh, cool. I like that. That'll be great. And okay. it'll be exclusively on Spotify, which is why I can do that. So, okay. Um, but you know, um, there'll be more info as, as that becomes apparent. Um, but that's kind of what's going on. Rest assured though, Trek geeks not going anywhere, not going anywhere. And I can say very, uh, very solidly that we will be putting out a lot more content this year. Things are starting to, you know, kind of level off at work. Um, I'm in a much better place. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting a lot more discussions out with you, my friend. So, uh, uh, I think we'll do more than, what did we do? Nine last year? Nine. (laughs) Nine. I think we're going to do more than that. For at least 10. <laughs> for a podcast that normally does between 35 and 40 episodes a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we did nine. We didn't kick off January the right way, but here we are. Your um your performance review is gonna be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, seeing as if I write it, I'm really not sure that's gonna be the Oh, that's right. You are HR, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Damn it. Anyway. I might give myself a promotion and a raise. Oh yeah. Do that. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that the uh, I'm sure the founder will sign off on that. The founder is wise. Oh. Yes, very nice. I like that. I actually that actually made me think of uh, of Jeffrey Combs. So nice job. So I was working the other day and during yeah. lunch I had um, Pluto TV on because they mm-hmm. have two Star Trek channels. They have commercials, yep. but I can deal with that. That's all right. And um the uh, the Frangi episode where Quark goes back home to Franganar and Brunt is in his closet. And the name is yes. escaping me right now. That was on. FCA. Yeah, Brunt, FCA. <laughs> FCA. Um, <laughs> great, great episode. Um, but they it were not, on the more Star Trek channel. There was an entire block of Deep Space Nine. And so like, I, it was hard to go back to work. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's DS9. Was it family business? Um, or was it the other one? It's the one. It's after the die is cast. I know that. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah. It's all right. You ready to um? You ready to rock out some podcast content here? I'm Talk ready about to spectry of the gun. Oh my! I was gonna say that, and I figure if I did, you'd make fun of me for it. So thank you, thank you, sir. Spectry. I, I love it. See, I know you. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I may as well just get it out of the way. So you did it on purpose. I wouldn't have. I would have been like, why? What What are you saying? What do you mean I'm saying it wrong? <laughs> anyway, um, let's uh, let's do what we do if we All remember. Right. I, I think I might remember. Right. Trek Geeks is proud to have Fansets as our presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at Fansets. Let's try that again. You know, I was going to keep it in and say, you know, I forgot we do that. <laughs> yes. oh, okay. Because I was surprised. <laughs> I, I saw it there and I'm like, you know what? I'll just read it. <clears throat> All right. Do it. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it again. <laughs> okay. I got it. Yeah. Patreon, we're happy to be back. Coconut! <laughs>